Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. I'm really excited to be able to share a first-time guest with all of you. Uh, a woman from another part of Ontario named Ellen Graf Martin. Ellen, thanks so much for being here today. This is fun. I'm excited for this conversation. Uh, Our members probably have no idea who you are. I'm sure a lot of the leaders listening, you're probably already connected to. So maybe more for our sake internally, you can kind of introduce yourself and give us a bit of the background of who you are, where you're coming from and all that uh, so that we can dive into things today. Perfect. So I actually, I'm coming to you today from the booming metropolis of Elmira, Ontario, which is uh, just 15 minutes away from Google's Waterloo office, but also has horse and buggies trotting past my office. So it's the most interesting area, but I actually was born and raised on Vancouver Island and uh, then had the chance to be a missionary internationally for five years after university. Um, traveled and landed up here in Mennonite country. So as cross-cultural as you can be, I think, in Canada, (laughs) between Vancouver Island and uh, Mennonite country, Ontario, but I love it here. Um, And uh, so married, one daughter, um, and I have led a marketing agency for the last 14 years. So going from being a missionary to owning a marketing agency is is a fairly significant uh, career jump, but that's what I do. And so people would often know me by my last name, which is Graf Martin. So because of Graf Martin Communications. And uh, can you help us understand how Elmira was the premium location to launch <laughs> a marketing company? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. (laughs) But um, I think it's a few reasons. So I actually started this at the bottom of the global recession in 2008. And I had just married my husband six months earlier. Um, The company I was working for that a lot of people in Ontario would know was R.G. Mitchell, went bankrupt at the bottom of that recession. And, uh, And I lost my job. And within two weeks, I had a couple of people that I had worked with in the past come to me and say, would you consider starting your own agency? And would you continue doing the work you were doing? And I said, okay, I have no idea what it's like to work in an agency because, I mean, I had gone from university to working with operation mobilization and I'd never worked in an agency, let alone owned an agency, but I really saw that God was opening a door And it was one of those things, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, I will be faithful and obedient and walk through that door until you close it. And so 14 years later, the door still seems to be open. I'm still still going through that door. He hasn't shut it yet. And I every year have to say, God, I, you know, if it's time for you to shut that door, you shut that door. I'm trusting you. Um, But uh, Elmira is the area that my husband was from. And so we found a house here. We found an office here, and this is where we are. Now, <clears throat> you and I barely know each other, so I'll yeah. ask that I ask this question of everybody. But do you have any history with Southridge? Have you even heard of Southridge? Do you have any idea what you're talking about when it comes to our local community? Knowing that you're super connected 
with the kind of inter-ministry web around Southern Ontario and the, and the GTA. Yeah, and I mean, this is probably maybe sounds like a cop out, but I heard about Southridge through Allison Alley years ago um, because we were working on a project and it was short. She actually hadn't been at Compassion for very long and talked about how she had been challenged and launched out of Southridge. And so um, when she was moving from your area to London, uh, I got to actually be part of kind of hearing her transition and how much she loved Southridge. And so that would be my connection. Aside from, I think it was Ellen Duffield that brokered the email to connect the two of yes. us personally. So we'll give two massive female leaders in our orbit credit uh, for connecting us and giving us the opportunity to dive into this conversation today, which interesting enough will be about sort of the, the, the bridge of your two worlds the, mm -hmm. the marketing and communications kind of technical expertise and the missionary heart for ministry mm -hmm. in the local church. I'm fascinated by this mm -hmm. and I'm excited to dig into this today. So let, let's talk first of all about your, your background in this world of, of communications. Was this always something that you did or was it the RG Mitchell thing that kind of launched you into this? Like where did your heart for communications come from? <laughs> That's a, you know, that's a great question that I have for heaven one day. Um, but I've always been a communications person in that, you know, I was, I was just a weird kid who I could read and write by the time I was four. So when I started school, I was already reading and writing. And by the time I was in the fourth grade, I no longer had to take English anymore um, through the rest of my school career because I had done all of the curriculum <laughs> through grade 11. So clearly I had a lot of time on my hands. So they would just send me to the library. And so I would read and I would write and words became incredibly important to me. And words actually played a huge role in how I um, chose to follow Jesus as well. And it was during that time when they literally said, that we are not going to have you in class anymore in the fourth grade. And I had to go to the library and just happened to be that I had been given a Gideon Bible. And so I was reading my Gideon Bible in the library at school and had a really incredible background of being exposed to Jesus and the scriptures. Um, and when I read that prayer of salvation at the end, I'm like, yeah, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. And so, I mean, communications through pieces like that were really important from the time I was a little girl. Um, and then kind of fast forwarding words have just always been incredibly important and connecting with people through words. So I was also that kid that my parents never knew where I was in our neighborhood because I was in someone's home. I, I literally got invitations on Christmas morning to go to different people's house because they wanted me to come and they had a gift for me because I would go there. There was a woman on my paper route who was recently widowed and just spending time with her and connecting with her and talking to her, I learned that words were really powerful in creating connections. So when I ended up with Operation Mobilization after university, um, the, I was actually with Logos 2, which is a ship, and uh, we were the largest floating book fair in the world. And so again, we were taking, God just had this very consistent message of, you know, books and words with me. It was very unexciting. I wanted to be sent to like, deepest, darkest, scary 
places, but instead God had me on the world's largest floating book fair. So there we are. And it was very exciting, but it wasn't exciting in the way I thought. So, I mean, I saw the power of words that we would really um, take for granted when we would go into a port of a country that could neither produce or import books and educational materials and I saw pastors sharing a Bible. I learned how important these communication methods and pieces were that we just so take for granted. Like how many of us have that little Gideon Bible and it's just shoved somewhere. Um, but I got to go to a place where pastors were literally sharing a Bible because there was one between seven of them. So I learned that our communications are critical and I got thrown into having to preach and teach and speak and give my testimony and being trained uh, in that time to share what God had done in my life with others um, was so, you know, as a young person, so empowering to teach me that communications, again, it doesn't look like what we think it is. It's not slick. It's our story and it's being clear and consistent and using the tools that we have in our hands um, for the good of others. So what is the connection? I don't know. But then I ended up working in Christian publishing with Operation Mobilization and learned a lot about publishing and how the words we use matter and editing our words. And from there, moved into um, marketing and learning how words persuade and fast forward to today. Um, I just love what I get to do, but it's from a heart that says, how do we get good messages to good places rather than, um, I have something I want everyone to hear. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, and I love the differentiation of that, of that heart, especially for people who are wondering how to improve their, ministry or organizational communications. I guess in that story, and I appreciate you walking us through that, you know, this this grade 11 reader by fourth grade, mm-hmm. who's kind of the talk of the town. So it's coming in, <laughs> communications is coming in and it's flowing out mm-hmm. <laughs> both ways. Um, you know, groomed in ministry, sharing your story, even preaching, whatever. You know, all of these, you can see the hand of God in this in this whole story. <clears throat> Today, in running now a, a, mm-hmm. a ministry company, what would you say are the primary skills that you bring to this more technical, professional communications mm-hmm. work? Mm-hmm. I think, um, I mean, the skills really are clarity, <laughs> like that being able to listen with insight it's different there's one thing to listen and then there's another thing to listen with insight to listen to connect the dots and understand um how how does this connect how does this when i listen to your story who can i connect with this story what are the the um what are the takeaways (laughs) it's one thing to listen say that's really a nice story and another to say Tell me more about, and then fill in the blank. I mean, this is what you do on a podcast, but to listen with insight. Um, I think the other is to identify those heart connection points for, you know, the risk of sounding really mushy, but what are the pieces of that story that connect with others that we have in common? It's, you know, to find our commonalities and our common touch points. 
And then to say, how do we best now communicate? After we listen, we figure out our commonalities. Now, how do we best communicate this out where people are um, at, so that they can connect with it as well? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And okay. uh, so let's d- dig deeper into this when it comes to kind of local churches and ministries that are a huge portion of your audience that, that you serve. I guess mm-hmm. my first question getting into the, the practicality of this is that... It, Local churches are so message centric. Mm-hmm. Why do such message centric organizations with even like paid, like in many cases, professional communicators struggle so much with communications? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, well, sometimes it's because we have, you know, one person doing three people's jobs or we, you know, we have someone who, for example, is, and I don't know, so forgive me if I'm not pointing anyone out if Southridge does this, but um, we have someone who is deeply passionate about running a food bank through a church because they are have a deep, deep concern for those who are um, experiencing um, food poverty, for example. And we say, that's great. But to do that, now you need to raise money. And to raise money, you need to tell the story, (laughs) which usually starts with the people in your own sphere. But we don't have to necessarily craft that story to connect with people beyond our initial sphere. And so then when when we get to a spot where our ministry is struggling and we think, you know, I, I have heard so many times we are the best kept secret um, about, I can't tell you how many ministries we're the best kept secret. We do these incredible things, but no one knows about it. And I think it's because we're so passionate about doing the thing, but we never had to sit down and think through how do we really communicate this to the people that really need to know Um in ways that genuinely connect. And then how do we stay clear? Because often we feel like we need to change our story for every different person we speak to. So we say consistent and clear with that. And I like the differentiation between the communication of your story, your organization's story, your community's story, that the, the, the churches or the ministry's story versus, like you said, with the one person doing three jobs, like it's enough mm-hmm. to every week be articulating God's story and articulating Uh Jesus' story. And I, so I'd like, especially leaders listening to appreciate Mm -hmm. that while especially local churches are message centric, so often we're, we're focused or fixated on the message of Jesus and communicating that Uh into people's hearts that we forget about the message of our community and how to connect that with people's hearts, Uh that they're actually two different kinds of, communication. Mm -hmm. Have you helped church leaders clarify the difference between those two? Yeah. You know what? We do that with ministries a lot. Um, And I mean, to be very honest, one of the big gaps is that we don't have the foundational tools to do communications well. And so I will, so you would not think about preaching necessarily um, without having a sermon outline and having some training in how to preach and understanding, you know, some of the Greek and Hebrew, if not all of it, and having some genuine training and skill. And you probably have methods that you've been taught um, in how to actually exegete scripture. But then we say, but now you need to do communications and you're 21, which means you're in charge of our social media. With no tools, 
no background except for you're 21, so you're a digital native. But now I need you to run our Facebook, and that 21 year old doesn't even use Facebook. So, <laughs> one of the things that I've seen is, I mean, we have a foundation of tools that we bring when we come to a ministry. We say, here's a communications strategy. We're going to work on a communication strategy. And then we are going to have um, what the tactical implementation of that strategy is. Here's how we're going to measure whether the strategy and the implementation is working. So here's a dashboard. Here's a brand playbook for how we speak, our language choices, what we talk about, and who we serve. And so, you know, we've got these foundational tools, which, to be frank, are not rocket science. But Christians, like, with the risk of sounding horrible, we're kind of lousy at it because we're just like, you know, as the spirit leads, we will communicate. But I think that, you know, as my mother would always say, God gave us a brain and a mouth. (laughs) So, and, and his spirit to give us opportunity. He does equip us. And I, uh, you know, I'm really inspired by um, the story of how God inspired the tabernacle to be built. He, he equipped tradespeople with the Holy spirit, but they were first tradespeople. So he told Bezalel how to build the tabernacle and exactly the measurements. He gave him a good, he gave him like a plan But Bezalel was already a craftsperson who had skill. And so I think that we have kind of said, we don't need skill. We just need the spirit. And the spirit would say, yes, I'm going to help you. But you also need skill. And there are tools and really foundational practices that keep things consistent. And so that we can say to that 21-year-old, you really do understand social media better than I do. Can you please take this? And here's a playbook. And here's a communications calendar. (laughs) And here are all the tools you need. And now we trust you to do this and follow the Spirit's lead. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And before you overwhelm me and other preacher types with the, the, the laundry list of skill that's, that's related mm-hmm. to this kind of mature, deliberate, sophisticated uh, communications ministry, communications strategy, let me just ask a few maybe more entry-level clarifications. In your experience, especially dealing with local churches, Um, can you have one communications plan or do you have to communicate in different ways to different age groups and and segments of people? You have one communications plan. Um, and that communications plan then has different elements. So, um, and to be very honest, it's actually not that sophisticated. It's something that, you know, we can come alongside an organization and really work with them and have it created. Um, but you have one plan and then you tailor it to the different audiences you're going to reach. So one of your strategic, so we usually only allow organizations to have three strategic priorities in their communications plan. Um, because more than that is overwhelming and most of them have 18 in their mind. So let's just stick to three. So one may be, um, one strategic priority may be increased community engagement. And so then we would say, okay, how are we going to measure that? So we would have number of visits to our website, number of people attending different events, um, number of moms at a mother's group or kids in children's ministry, et cetera. So this is how we're going to measure that. Um, And then we would say, okay, now what does it look like to, what do we need to do to increase those numbers? So it's 
clearly going to look different for a kids ministry than it is for a seniors ministry or a new Canadians ministry. Um, but we're all working to the same strategic priority. And when we refer back to a brand playbook, which is something that most organizations don't have, they have a visual brand guide, like don't do this to our logo, do not put a drop shadow on our logo. But nobody has ever taken the time to say, this is what we sound like when we go out. Um, and they haven't taken the time to say, who do we serve best? So in each of those groups, the different demographics, there's going to be a commonality around who you serve best. It might be like for one um, one group that we said, you know what, it's really those entrepreneurial kind of scrappy, bold, do-it-yourselfers um, who really enjoy what you do. They are... Um, they're willing to do the work that it takes, you know, and whether they are retired, whether they are 18 years old, you know, and what are the commonalities? Well, they want to do the peer-to-peer fundraising. Like they want to do a walkathon. They want to do something. Um, and so how do we really engage with them? And that's really who we serve best. Those are the people who love how we speak here and how we engage. And so um, how do we serve them the best? And then we know in every age demographic that we're going to speak a little bit differently, but our message is going to stay basically the same. So in your communications work <clears throat> these days, 2022, 2023, mm-hmm. like, <clears throat> is, there, is there any one for now or for all time silver bullet strategy for communication like if, if, if you're if you're a mm. local church leader you want to be communicating better make sure you do this because this is the most effective it's a great question um you know we start with a question for organizations that we work on brand with we start with a question we do a survey and it is how are we currently perceived And that is a brave question to ask. So if you asked your community, those who know you or who don't really know you, how how are we perceived? So they may say boring. They may say cutting edge. They may say, you know, you take a survey. How are we currently perceived? And we actually have a list of words that we use that kind of find where you land on a brand sentiment scale. And then we ask the question, how do you wish we were perceived? So this is all listening. So somebody may say in your community, well, I perceive them as being aloof, unapproachable, boring, confusing, etc. All negative words, of course, <laughs> just to be really encouraging today. And then we ask, how do you wish they were perceived? And they may say approachable, kind, warm, welcoming. And then sitting down and taking a look at the difference between those two lists and saying, what is the work that we really have to do to bridge that gap? If this is how our community perceives us, and this is how they wish we were perceived, what is the work we need to do to be really realistic about who we are? Now, to be fair, most organizations don't come back all negative, you know, as how we're currently perceived and all positive as how we wish. But there is always a gap. I use that only for demonstration. There's a gap. So... I would say that the silver bullet is listening and not just having anecdotes, but actually using this as data. 
saying these are data points to say how we actually determine our programming, how we determine our communications, how we engage our neighbors, how we love our neighbors as ourselves, um, because they're telling us what we really need to hear. So listening well, listening with insight and then applying it is kind of, this. to be honest, it's the silver bullet. Hmm. That's fantastic. And I really appreciate the difference between <clears throat> the difference between data and anecdote. Anecdote is mm-hmm. one experience that's wholly true, but not necessarily the whole truth. And so mm-hmm. the, the data mm-hmm. really helps. Hey, you've used a word that uh, may have church members and, and others, leaders listening, kind of bristling, the word brand. Yeah. I could dig into this uh, way deeper. I, I guess my question from a from a communication strategy perspective for now would be, is it possible to really develop your local church's brand well when the overall brand of Christianity these days seems so poor? How do you deal with that? Mm -hmm. I absolutely think it's possible to develop your local church's brand. Um, Because here's the thing, brand is a anyone's experience of your organization. So we think brand is about flash and splash and being slick. And perhaps to some it is, but I would say if we are Jesus followers and we care about people, that's why we care about brand because brand is others experience of us. And either we will set it or they will set it. So either you start and say, this is who we are going to be to our community. This is our brand. Or they will tell you who you are. You will say, you know, we are this, this, and this, and make it authentic. Don't make it too aspirational, but make it authentic. Or they're going to say, well, let me tell you who you really are. And, uh, and that's where we get into trouble because then they will define you by the brand of evangelicalism or the brand of Christianity that our culture is setting. Um, so we actually have an incredible opportunity to represent Jesus and our faith better by being very intentional about brand, not manipulative, not just focused on flash and splash, but a consistent, coherent, clear brand that shows who we are and why we do what we do um, and what others can expect. We say it's under like a brand tells you what someone can know every time they engage with you, what they can see every time they engage with you and what they feel every time they engage with you. Um, And if you are committed to that brand experience, people are going to have a different experience of Christianity. So they'll actually be able to say, you might say that about evangelicalism or Christians, but I know this church down the road and that doesn't match my brand experience. So um, it's actually incredibly critical. Well, that's encouraging. And and, uh, I know that we could dig into that probably for hours. So... At this point, Ellen, we've probably whet enough of the appetites of people listening who, especially if they're church leaders, are probably lost in their own brand management and, and communication <laughs> yes. strategy. So let me use the final couple of minutes just to get practical into your world. If a church leader was listening and was wondering how a, a, a resource like Graf Martin Communications could come along and, mm-hmm. and support them, like 
if a pastor, if a, 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 a church leader or a ministry reached out to you, like what happens next? Uh-huh. What kind of services uh-huh. do you offer? And is it reasonable even, you know, you're a marketplace business, you got kids yeah. to feed, like can local churches do this sort of stuff? Can they access communications experts to, to do all this kind of work? Yeah, I would say well, the answer is yes. To be honest, yes. I know it's tough right now, um, but I do think that making an investment, even a modest investment into communications at this point in time and at this stage will pay for many, many years to come. So and I'm not saying that as a sales pitch, but I just genuinely believe that. Um, and maybe it's because I've listened to so many incredible Carrie Newhoff podcasts, but I genuinely believe this, um, that, that we have a communications problem as a church and it's time for us to fix it. And we have a responsibility in doing this. Um, if, or, or if, or when a ministry or a church says, yeah, I want to do this. We actually have some like one day workshops that I would highly recommend for a church. And I would say, don't just have your church communications person or your pastor, uh, you know, especially for a smaller church, your senior pastor, come and do this communications um, one day workshop. But let us work with you to pull together a team so that you are not a lone ranger, so that you have consistency. And we do one day workshops on brand and brand clarity. And we actually do one day workshops on marketing strategy and marketing planning that are enormously practical because um, I was a self fundraising missionary for five years. I have a very high value on stewardship. Um, But so these have to be highly practical, highly valuable, and then last for many years to come. And with the ability for the local church to actually implement and not just have this new theory, but to actually have an implementable tool um, in hand. So that's how we help. um, And that's honestly the jumping off point that I would recommend. Yeah. So step number one would be to explore some of these workshops. Are they available on your website? Um, we actually do, we have a page and, um, and I'll get you the right link for that. So you can have it in your show notes. Um, so that you, where we outline these two options, um, for churches, or they can just send us an email at Ellen at And we can do a little exploration to make, find out if it's even a fit for the group and then, um, how it could best work for them. Amazing. I'd encourage all of you to take a look around grabmartin.com and start start digging into this for yourself. Uh, Alan, I appreciate you giving us some time and sharing just the surface of just the world of what God is up to in your life and ministry. I guess as we wrap up for today, hoping that this isn't the end of our history of conversations, can you throw out any, any final encouragements or challenges either to our local churches members listening or other leaders who are tracking uh, with the podcast when it comes to just more effectively communicating who you are and ultimately who Jesus is to your spheres of influence. Mm -hmm. You know, going back to my time um, with OM, I would say we have been entrusted with the greatest story of all. We know that. But we've also been entrusted with our own personal story of transformation and being able to share our own personal story of transformation and what God is doing in us 
now and has done us in the done through us in the past you know we may think our story is boring it could be i grew up in a christian home i became a christian and you know we think it's boring but it is god's miraculous story of transformation in us and so the most powerful story we will have is our own so if nothing else let's tell that story with clarity so that others can find hope Fabulous and something certainly that can be an encouragement to all of us. Ellen, thank you for being here today. I hope this isn't the last time we talk. It's great. It's great. It's really fun. And to all of you who are uh, tracking with us, thanks for being here again. We'll see you in about seven days' time as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody. 